Is your soul ready for the truth? Welcome to Chatcast, the award-winning spiritual podcast that takes on all the hard topics. Raw, unfiltered, and authentic. No spiritual or relationship issue is off limits. We discuss everything from sex and consent to equality, grief, death, and the spirit world. Life evolves around relationships. So if you're ready to get right with yourself so you can be right with others, then stay right here because Chatcast is for you. Now, here's your host, spiritual empath, shaman, and multiple award-winning best-selling author, Tracy Dunblazer. Hi, good afternoon, and welcome to Chatcast. This is the spiritual podcast where we take on all the hard topics. And today's topic is going to be revolution, the revolution. I know over the last several years, it's been, uh, it's been difficult on so many levels slash on every level <laughs> uh, for, for, for all of us. Um, our world is changing in ways that we don't recognize, in ways that bring us fear, in ways that leave us befuddled about what to do next, how to survive, how to continue to feed our families. But here's the thing. No matter where you stand, we often relate to the idea of a revolution as something political or something generated by human beings. But the revolution we are experiencing today is not that at all. The revolution is here and the revolution today is progress. It is progress towards unity and equality and understanding the spiritual laws, regardless of religion, it's about the spiritual laws that govern all of us. If we are alive on the planet, there is a way that our universe works. Regardless of what you believe, it works a particular way. Now, science is definitely not mm, there yet, <laughs> you know, but every day we as human beings, we seek to, through science, really break down the building blocks of our universe, how it works. And then we have our relationship to uh, spirituality. As I'm talking right now, there's a murder <laughs> of crows, a murder of crows that have just swooped up to my window. And there's probably, it looks to me, at least 15 of them from how I can see it. But they're here to talk to us today to leave us a message about our relationship to spirit and the multiple revolutions going on inside of us, outside of us, and within and on the planet that we live in. So uh, this massive river of progress, it was inevitable. It was never, not, it was never 
not going to be this way. I love the double negatives. They always confuse me after I've said them. I'm like, ooh, did I get that right? <laughs> but we, we were always headed in this direction, regardless of what you wanted or thought or believed or hoped or, you know, were afraid of. Regardless of your fears, we were always, human beings are always moving towards progress and enlightenment and understanding that we are always all interconnected with the planet and with each other. We cannot survive without one another and without the planet that we live on. So uh, this, this river of progress, um, it was inevitable. And the earth-based spiritual societies that is prophecy, has been prophesied for hundreds of years, we are the ones who've shown up to experience it. There are over 7 billion people on the planet. It is fascinating. Now I live in Southern California and we've got over 20 million of those 7 billion here just in, in our city alone. <laughs> and I think, I, I don't remember how many people are in New York city right now, but maybe 11 or 12 million. It's, it's, it's a, it's a huge amount of people to be on such a small space, but the bottom line is, we are all finding ways of working through our fear and, and beliefs right now and, and finding ways to reconcile what we've been taught, how we've been educated, um, what we've been shown by the previous, uh, by our ancestors, the people who lived before us. You know, there are people on the planet who have belief systems about race based on the people that lived before them and their limited viewpoint. You know, it's, it's fascinating to me how the trickle down effect of, of information and how if you control the information, there is the appearance of controlling the knowledge, but that is only, but that is limited because ultimately, you know, I, I don't know if anybody has noticed, but uh, the, the, the folk, young folks being born right now, really beginning with the millennials, really, I mean, in my generation, I, I am I am one of the forerunners of the empathic. I'm not going to call it a movement, but the the empathic the group of empaths incarnating to really help people understand the value of your emotional intelligence and the power and impact it has on the way we live, right? And and how and how it impacts how we perceive each other, what we believe about each other based on how we feel. Right, we we uh, our ancestors before put so much emphasis on on the way you looked, on skin color, right, on on the beliefs or ideologies that they imposed about skin color. And as an empath, I can't ignore how someone makes me feel, regardless of their skin color. You know, I I read the energy of a person first and everything else second. I was born doing that, right? But each of us, this, you know, living on the planet right now, we are charged with the, the task of however you learned to maybe make modifications to how you see your world and to not make assumptions on what somebody looks like or what you believe 
their sexual orientation is or what it is or where they are on the spectrum or how they relate to gender. We are beginning to, our, our world is changing so dramatically, but not to, um, it's moving to what is natural and truthful about who we are as humanity. And that's making us reconcile and grieve all that came before us and the betrayal that we feel sometimes in having been taught a particular way or having treated people in a particular way or been treated in a particular way. So, uh, I know a lot of you experience the world as if it's getting worse and that people are more awful, selfish and divisive and that the racial divide is more pronounced. But the truth is what is different is that many people are just waking up to the way that it is and the way that it is uh, a way that it's been and understanding that the systems that we have in place were not put in to equally justify our society or equally govern our society. They were put in to keep specifically uh, non-whites in a position or the illusion of a position of diminished capacity or marginalized, being marginalized. So as we move into this revolution, as we wrap our arms around what is happening, not what we want to happen, right? We, we see a lot of voices of people getting angry and furious and frustrated and, and speaking about things that they don't know about, that they haven't experienced. And all it, all, all it is, is it comes from fear and fear mongering of, of repeating the same thing over and over, hoping that someday it will become true. And that works for a little bit because eventually when people hear the same thing over and over, they receive that as truth, but, but it doesn't make it true and make no mistake about it. The river of progress is happening and what is true is coming to bear. Now there's some spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical reasons uh, that we are experiencing such a profound time right now on the planet. We are, we are in a period of time where we are completing three major uh, 25,000 years year cycles on the planet. One of those is the earth changes, the cycle of earth changes that are happening right now. Uh, the changing relationship to authority, cultural ideologies reflected in our political expressions. And uh, the third one is the cycle of personal conflict how we relate to ourselves and each other. And I'm going to speak in those in, in the different uh, segments today. But I wanted, to, I wanted to address, I wanted to read one thing in my book, Conquer Your Karmic Relationships, Heal Spiritual Trauma to Open Your Heart and Restore Your Soul, uh, about our relationship to the planet. There it is. And it's, oh, wrong one. <laughs> there we go. Here it is. It's called uh, Overcoming Invisibility. As a spiritual warrior, and, and each of us 
even whether you know that of yourself or not, you are. You are on the planet at this time and you are charged with having to process whatever your brain, whatever your ancestors, whatever your culture tells you this time is. And you're going to have to eventually make, make, make decisions on your own to align with the minority and people who are afraid of the progress that's happening or getting on board with the flow of the progress that is in fact happening. And one of the biggest things that happens in this period of time is sometimes we feel invisible. We feel invisible to our families, sometimes to our friends, oftentimes even to ourselves. So this is called overcoming invis invisibility. Namaste. Namaste is a Sanskrit word meaning to bow. It is often used as a greeting that personifies the meaning of two people in love and respect. The God in me acknowledges the God in you. Because this is such a unique time in our history, many people are having to change long-held skill sets, beliefs, and ideologies in very short periods of time. Families who've anchored certain jobs, expertise, or traditions in certain locations are in complete upheaval as the need for those jobs or skills becomes obsolete. Much how we witnessed changes to the city of Detroit as, a major car com as, a, as major car companies took an economic dive in the recent past, we are seeing this type of cataclysmic change all over the globe. The globalization of knowledge and the web, the social acceptance and deeper understanding of once taboo groups, immigration and our relationship to other countries, war and its impact on all of us, and a new understanding of the purpose of religion are all challenging our ideas, jobs, habitats, and more. Consider that a willingness to be seen and receive new attention to parts of yourself, which up until now have remained undiscovered or well hidden from others. It is vital to this transformation. The intense vulnerability that comes with these new revelations can feel like a door being blasted open or slammed shut. This acute abruptness can be frightening and disruptive, not only to the individual, but to the family, community, or further reaching soulmate group. Always remember, in this destined shift of paradigm, your soul has all the necessary, necessary spiritual imprints needed for a balanced transition. Important spiritual information, along with the support from your soulmate group, is activated when you move with resistance or willingly towards the change. So think about whatever your circumstances are right now, what you have ahead of you, that your spirit, your soul, and your relationship to the creator exactly as it is, not, not managing it or moderating it to somebody else's needs, but exactly who you are. And you hold all the information you need to make the adjustments you must make to move you towards the integration and progress towards unity. So we're going to talk uh, more about our changing relationship to authority in the next uh, next segment. But right now we have an ad from Master Your Inner World. Are you haunted? Demons know about you. You should know about them. 
Master your inner world. Embrace your power with joy brings the information that many who suffer spiritual trauma have been waiting for. And the response has been powerful. In this award-winning book, renowned spiritual empath and shaman, Tracy Dunblazer, helps readers understand and gain advantage over spiritual forces and past life influences that impact their lives. Tracy reveals the origin of dark forces and how choices you make will dictate their access to you. Through the tapestry of anecdotes, channelings, and rituals, you will discover your own spiritual awareness and healing power. Master Your Inner World by Tracy Dunblazer. Available where books are sold. Hi, good afternoon and welcome back to Chatcast. I just was able to uh, access some of the comments online. So I see Ramiz is out there watching and Fabio is out there watching. So thank you for joining me. And uh, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Of course, we have a phone number here. It's uh, 213, I'm sorry, it's 323-203-0815. If you want to call in, if you've got comments or questions, I would love to address them. Uh, and right now we're going to talk about the changing, uh, there's, a, there's a, a profound cataclysmic shift in our relationship to authority. It is the cultural ideologies reflected in our political expressions and our governments that can only reflect the lowest common denominator in our system and, and society. And what that means is that we can only choose people as our politicians that reflect fully the lowest ideologies that we as the collective hold. It's part of the reason why we see different communities and the politicians that they hold and that they elect and the um, laws that are created from those politi politicians. There's a reason why there is this matrix of information, why some communities get a lot of information and, and other communities don't get information at all or don't get accurate information. So the reason for that is that in our little microcosm of the world, we elect people who reflect the lowest of us. And when I say the lowest of us, what I mean by that, uh, it's not about being less than or more than, it's about the density with which we are able to deal with the world. It's, it's, um, there is a, uh, it's about our, our life needs. When, when a group of people are in uh, survival mode, they experience um, food insecurity, resources, lack of resources, um, safety issues, and insecurity of, of where you're going to live. When that is their concern, they don't necessarily have the luxury of worrying about how they feel or even expressing how they feel when they are abused or when they are disrespected or when they are compromised or marginalized in any way by the system that we live in. And so when you have a, a general average of, of your lowest and then, and then your uh, most unburdened 
group of people, right? That averages out to what I call the lowest common denominator of energy. And that's, that is that those, that vibration is, is the best of the politicians that we can expect to run and be elected in our society, right? So our politicians are never going to, you know, our politicians nor our religious leaders, right? Because our religious leaders, is, it's very similar. They are, when, when somebody is working within a religion that to the diminishment of everything else outside of them, they, they are intended to focus on something so specifically and their leaders are intended to educate them on those things so specifically that it doesn't include the rest of the world. And oftentimes it generates fear about what the rest of the world is doing or the rest of their community is doing, right? It, 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 it diminishes other people so that they can be focused enough to learn to recognize their own sense of empowerment. And anytime we begin to break out of those collectives and we learn to, we, we, we recognize the authority that we have over ourselves and our lives, that's when those social mores are, uh, are reflected in the people that we hire to manage our resources as a collective. So that's, that's one of the things that's, that's happening that I think that if you just took a moment and, and didn't get mad, <laughs> didn't think about politics in enormous disdain, and you set your fear aside just for a little bit, it'll always be there for you, right? But when you do that and you really look at where you live, what your society is just in your little microcosm, what city do you live? What town do you live in? You know, how close are you to resources? What are they? How many resources do you have? Uh, what is what is going on around you? It makes sense, the government that you have. And it is only when you as an individual begin to give yourself permission to transition and transform and take authority, not give other people the responsibility of having authority over you, but you take responsibility for your own sense of authority to get your needs met in a way that hurts no one. Mm, isn't that clever, right? It's, it, that's, that is not, you know, it, it's easy for people who have resources to judge people who don't. <laughs> But it's, it is hard. It is hard when you get up and you don't know where your meal is coming from. And you have to, and you live in a world that you don't necessarily think has your back. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a deep place to be. And, and in this process of, of changing our relationship to authority, meaning we, we, are, we are now taking back our sense of authority from uh, those establishments outside of us that we have given responsibility and we're taking it ourselves and we're saying, Hey, I, I can do this and I can work with a bunch of other responsible people to do this. You know, we can learn to govern ourselves 
Now, keep in mind, I'm not I'm not one of those people who thinks that we're ever going to, you know, that we're not ever going to overthrow the government. We have chosen, you know, we have the we have one of the most enlightened governments uh, that supports how we want to live. It supports an opportunity for change. Now, there are a lot of things how our government was created and a lot of the rules and regulations were created that they deliver. They didn't just accidentally end up in a place to have a lot of have all this racial bias. They chose it and they chose it out of their fear, out of their ignorance, out of their hatefulness. It doesn't even matter how we got here. But the truth is these changes in our social systems are going to be, be changing. They are changing. And it's not, it's not, it's not illogical how, how we got to this place and, and where we're going to go from here. Right? So it just leaves each individual in a position to recognize what they now need to do for themselves to be a responsible slash accountable member of society and to recognize the bias that we have. Everybody has some form of bias. And usually you can look underneath of, of all the different ways you might have been educated into that bias, where that bias was all that was ever, you were only exposed to that bias. Right. But whatever it is, your goal isn't to indulge in feeling guilty or ashamed of the bias that you have, but to recognize its truth and to change it. So I wanted to read a little bit. <clears throat> this is a uh, page 13. This is um, war equals money. And in this book, I was I was really looking at what are the major karmic relationships that people have with their community or with themselves? And, and our first major karmic relationship is with our resources, with our food, how we, uh, how we live, where we live, the land we live on, right? We have, we, we have, there are all of these resources on this planet and, and we look at them as resources. We don't, when we look at them as resources, we, <laughs> we diminish the power of, the planet and the planet is a living being that is intelligent and makes its own decisions and show often show human beings who's in charge here so when we diminish its power by looking at it as a resource and then we divvy those resources up and then we go to war to take over resources from other people. Like that's, that's just something that we as humanity has done it from the very beginning. And it, it literally is the reason why many other civilizations did not survive. So if we are going to be a, a civilization, I say with a big smile on my face, if we are going to be a civilization to continue to endure in life with this planet, we are going to have to get on board with her needs as well. So it's called war equals money. As long as there have been humans on earth, there have been wars, albeit in simpler times, there were simpler skirmishes, but conflict is always about the search for a better life or protecting life itself. In less populated centuries, battles were intended, were initiated over land and food, human and geographical resources, and then opportunity and commerce. 
but ultimately wars have been and still are instigated over the illusion of ownership and money. No matter the wartime facade, whether it be freedom, independence, anger, entitlement, retaliation, or human rights, war equals money. Spiritually speaking, after the mask is lifted from the wartime machine meant to garner forces and generate the flow of cash to the few who benefit from it, what is left for decades to come, what is left are the waves of breaking down and building back up the human condition on all levels. The mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual effects of war will endure for a lifetime, for lifetimes and are embedded in our culture today. If you look deeply, you will see the subtle, the subtle reverberations of war-based scarcity and impacting your current relationship to money with very few degrees of separation, if any. So as we, you know, right now, with our individual choices, we're not going to change the war machine. But over time and space, those people who have the 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 one percent who have created the necessity for war all over the globe. This is not blaming America or any other specific country. This is this is the lowest of humanity when we feel we have to take from others because we don't have enough. I mean, that's at the end of the day. That's that's what it's about. You know, we might say it's so we can stay safe, or you know, that other people aren't going to. But it's 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 all about anchoring our position. And that is something probably not in the next hundred years or who knows? I mean, things are so powerful right now. We'll see what it's like over the next 20 years and what the earth changes are going to do <laughs> with us and for us. But the changes in the, in the out of balance authoritarian structure isn't going to change overnight. But the more each of us as an individual changes our relationship to becoming autonomous and learning how to take care of ourselves without only leaning on the society within, you know, with whom we live, with all of the resources, with all of the, the government programs, all the different uh, ways and means that we have to take care of ourselves, learning to become more autonomous than not from that and learning to barter, learning to integrate with other people in our community and doing things that help us to recognize a whole other level of compassion and fulfillment on higher levels. Learning to recognize that we all have emotional needs. We need to feel safe, we need to feel comfortable, and then we need to feel pleasure and joy and happiness and wellness. And then we need to be empowered and then we need to be confident, right? The vibrations go up, 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 up and up from that base level of having our needs met. And so as each of us begin to challenge those things that bring us fear or confusion, Right. As we begin to cha challenge those things and, and even for the people who are out there with not many resources, there there are ways. You know, when 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 we pray to the highest part of ourself, it will pave a way 
for the universe to deliver to us what we most need. That's a whole other conversation, which we are going to have uh, after this next ad for uh, from Go Tracy Publishing. Your karma got you down. Claim your history, own your power, and change your life. In this groundbreaking book, Tracy Dumblazer takes an in-depth look at your karmic relationships and repetitive patterns that position you in life. This 10-time award-winning, best-selling book will inspire change in you. You'll learn all the ways to reveal, accept, forgive, and transform your relationships on every level, not only to your soulmates and romantic relationships, but how you relate to food, money, family, culture, religion, sex, death, and your environment. Conquer your karmic relationships. Heal spiritual trauma to open your heart and restore your soul. We'll help you unearth the very core of what drives you, showing how to direct its power into usable, life-giving resources. Through radical acceptance, learn how to recognize your karmic relationships and love yourself and the life you have right now. Pick up a copy of Conquer Your Karmic Relationships anywhere books are sold. Hi, welcome back to ChatCast. I'm Tracy Dunblazer. I'm a spiritual empath, shaman, and author. I'm the author of uh, many books, but this is Conquer Your Karmic Relationships, Heal Spiritual Trauma to Open Your Heart and Restore Your Soul. And it's my latest book, and it, it's been called a manual for these, for these times that we're living in because there are so many profound changes that are happening. Um, the last major cycle that I want to talk about today is the cycle of personal conflict. And that means that uh, our perceptions of ourself and our perceptions of others and, our, and, and the ways in which we relate, things that used to be acceptable are no longer acceptable. You know, things, you know, ways of thinking that we had, we now recognize that when you start thinking in a particular way, it's going to lead you to, to, to behaving in that way and then taking actions towards that end. And then you're going to be in a bad spot because you're going to do something against yourself or, or against someone else, right? Because even, even if we do things against others and we don't get caught or nobody ever knows, and it just remains this conflict between you and this other person. You still live with that. And whether or not you know it, it has a value. It has a mental, emotional, and spiritual value that will stay with you until you change it. Until you give it the antidote of your remorse, your self-forgiveness, and your compassion to yourself and the other person. So I want to, I really want to deal with uh, the profound metamorphosis of changing societal mores and structures to reflect the only possible sustainable fr framework, which is equality. For me, I, I, I still can't wrap my, I really, I really struggle today because we talk a lot about race relations, but in my mind, there is only one race on earth. Well, that's not even true. There are lots, there are probably many other extraterrestrial races, but we are not, we're not ready yet to fully embrace them as they exist. We know that we're getting, we're becoming ready 
because we are starting to acknowledge that they exist outside of the government hiding them from us and making it about a government thing. <laughs> <laughs> like what the government does or doesn't do, but it, but we never really deal with, you know, the UFOs or the, the visitations. Many people have had multiple visitations that aren't negative, that aren't fearful, that, you know, they weren't uh, being, being studied or drugged or operated on against their will. And, you know, th there are many beings in our universe and universes adjacent, many galaxies who uh, have technology far beyond what we can even comprehend. But I'm getting a little off track here because I really, <laughs> the, 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 the most that you can imagine in your life is going to leave you with the lowest of what that is. And the, that will be the way you communicate with yourself and others. Does that make sense? What I mean by that is, is, you are informed by how willing you are to acknowledge other beings, other realms. How, how willing are you to imagine, imagine a life that is nothing like what we live here today, right? Your ability to do that directly reflects and informs you being the kind of person that you want to be and recognizing that no matter where you start, all that matters is what you do next. That's how change is made. And people have bad behaviors and that doesn't mean they are bad people. People are misinformed and make choices based on that uh, misinformation. That doesn't mean that they can't change. And essentially what's happening here is eventually they will have to, or they will perish. I know that's dramatic, but you know what? Dying, dying for some is very dramatic. <laughs> oh, good God. See, that's, that's taken me off of this whole other place. But what I wanted to read you today is uh, on page 62. And it has to do with why we have some of the mental, emotional, and spiritual uh, issues slash misinformation that we do today. And it's called ancestral karma. Ancestral karma is the culmination of ancestral family traits, behavior and choices that do not get reconciled within the in the lives they were created. It consists of energy patterns passed down in DNA, or the familial traditions that move from generation to generation in a family line. It can show up as hereditary illness or shared proclivities but also a soul can incarnate into the family line to help break the cycle of those hereditary dynamics. Keep in mind that you have a biological family and a soul family. Your spiritual family consists of those souls with whom you have shared past life experiences or that you have many things in common, such as ideology, interests, and beliefs. Uh, you vibrate at a similar resonance or are from the same oversoul, a collective soul group in another dimension. Many spiritualists have experienced sitting with a council uh, of their spirit guides in other dimensions prior to incarnation on earth. They do this to decide where and with whom they would like to incarnate for the best learning advantage. 
It's not important whether you believe your choices come from such an angelic encounter or more simply, your vibrational resonance determines your attractions in life. Essentially, they are the same no matter where you conceptualize the beginning of the process. The biological family dynamic is vital to your spiritual education, as is your soul family. So as we begin to recognize the multiple levels of life experience that has created the people that we are and who we are becoming, you know, my, my dad always did this, or my mom always did that, or my mom's family this, or my grandma that, or you know what, I might be adopted and have no idea of any of those things. So I may have a whole other set of experiences moving from family to family to family. And so family might trigger fear and grief when I think of it, right? So there are many different ways that this period of time is triggering people to open up and to recognize, embrace, accept, and then make the choices that help to heal, integrate, and transform. Each of us in our spirit have exactly the information we need if we will choose to access it. Now, I know a lot, a lot of people out there have, a, have a very intense anxiety and depression right now. So I want to talk a little bit about, uh, and I'll get to anger as well, because that's a really, these are all really important dynamics that we experience that are teachers to us. So when we have anxiety, we are hypervigilant and our awareness is heightened and we are available to receive spiritual and emotional messages from our environment, from the planet from our spirit guides, from our ancestors past, it makes us available to receive those things. So when you stop resisting the anxiety or enforcing a belief on your anxiety that is its illness, right? And just recognize that it is an imbalance in your chemical structure that is making you ultra aware for a period of time so that you can learn new things or be receptive to new energy and information and messages. Always when we are going through a time of transition, anxiety is a normal place to be. And the more you can relate to that as something that's acceptable and temporal, it won't be there forever. So embrace it while, while it, while it's there for you, embrace that and allow yourself to receive the, the profundity of the, of the messages that can come when you're in that state of being. Doing deep breathing is also very helpful to calm your central nervous system enough to recognize the messages coming. Uh, depression, is when we are so overwhelmed with the amount of information coming that we want to tune it all out. It slows down the way we receive information so that we can better and more clearly, um, we, can, we can better and more clearly uh, decipher information, recognize its meaning, 
understand whether it is outdated or whether or not we still need it and want to adhere to that message or information. So uh, anger is another really important emotion because it shows us the area in life where we do not take care of ourselves. Isn't that interesting? When we get really angry at somebody or something, usually we're, we're in, in our mind, we're blaming them for something or we're angry or fearful about what may to come may, may, may come because of what we see to be happening. But the truth is our anger is showing us where in ourselves are we not paying attention to our own personal needs where we, where we are not giving ourselves what we need. It's not about what the government can do for you or what other people can do for you. It's about what you can do for yourself and learning to recognize it's, it's good to feel anger, but anger is the thing that comes before grief. It's like a stopgap for grief. People will, would rather get angry before they allow themselves the vulnerability of, of the, of the deeper, watery, waterier emotions. So consider those things. If you spend a lot of your time angry, what is it that you aren't doing for yourself? What are you, what are you angry at? And what is that telling you about what you need? And then what is it showing you about how you can get it for yourself? Huh. Isn't that something else? Okay. So the final thing that I want to read for you today is what it takes to heal cultural wounds. Under, understanding empathy and grief is what it will take to heal the cultural wounds that exist today. Many people are haunted with the daunting task of repairing the spiritual, emotional, and physical damage done by the vict victimization of their ancestors and the cultural aftermath that perpetuates those injuries. There are many levels to address. First consider, first thing to consider is that there is a difference between soul memory and DNA. No matter the body you were born in, it is the soul that carries the ancestors and their memories. It is they who must find healing. Making an assumption about who people are from their physicality is ignorant at best. It will be necessary to use all your faculties learning to feel who people are, their intent, and your connection to them. The second thing to consider is that everyone who comes into your view in your world vibrates at a frequency similar to you. That means that you are connected in some way and can empathize possibly through experience, culture, upbringing, career path, sexual orientation, or something. There is no more of our kind. There is only one race with billions of people going through the same life as you. No matter how it appears, get on board. You are all my kind. The third thing to remember or to consider is that healing takes place through the process of grief for everyone. If you've been taught that grief makes you weak, you've been taught wrong. If you're afraid that if you start grieving, you'll never stop, it's not true. 
The only way through the darkness is to grieve in the light for all those who lived but could not grieve for themselves. Those who were abused and shut down, those who died in trauma, and those who lived in an environment where it was not safe to grieve. Not every human is equipped to do the work of long-suffering, but make no mistake about it, if you aren't the one who is grieving, then someone is grieving for you. Find a way to have compassion for the role that you and others play in the world. Witnessing the difference and stepping in with support where you can. Embrace the idea that grief integrates a disparate soul and brings all the pieces together into the whole. The final thing to consider is that the world may never go back to how it was. And let me just rephrase that. The world's not going back at all, ever. The more people understand and recognize and embrace their own autonomy, once you know something, you don't ever unknow it. So while we can restore love, dignity, joy, sobriety, and wisdom, and certainly restoring those things will create a world that we can all share. It will never again be the old ways. It can only be a new version of the old ways or just new ways. Now is the time to review your cultural customs and traditions and transform what no longer serves the greater good for everyone on the planet. Some things won't change, but many must transition. So, Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> As you move into this holiday, uh, holiday weekend. And, you know, the holidays are really amazing for some and not at all for others. So as you go into this period of time, give yourself permission to reflect on some of these ideas and to let yourself embrace who you are, where you're at, and grieve those things that do not serve you. Know that no matter where you are, who you are, or what's going on in your life, the universe is conspiring to make the world a better place for you and to integrate you with the understanding that allows you to accept everyone else in it. So thank you so much for joining me here uh, on LA Talk Radio with Chatcast, and I will see you um, next week. You've been listening to Chatcast with Tracy Dunblazer, the award-winning spiritual podcast that takes on all the hard topics. Join us next time for more in-depth conversations about life and relationships. Thanks for listening.